0: all right class everyone take your seats you had homework due today unlike the students at riverdale who don't do anything little jessica and little brandon you had some movies shows documentaries and wrestling to watch let's go ahead and begin class on episode 57 of the podcast cue the music Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek.
1: And I'm another one of your hosts, Jessica Quaz.
0: Yes, Jess, we're back. Episode 57, we had some homework we gave each other. Were you excited to dive into these things?
1: Excited is one word for it. Um, <laughs> intrigued, I think. Um, yeah, no, I was. I watched things I normally would never really watch, so... That was interesting, and now I have a full report back for you.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, for those who are curious what we were talking about, back in episode 55 when Jess and I were talking about our some of our favorite current Netflix comedy specials, we assigned ourselves some homework. And uh, this is something we're going to be bringing back to the podcast where we'll be signing each other some things that the other hosts may not usually watch or it may not be at the top of the list and we're making them put it at the top of their list and uh, sit down and watch. So now that it's been uh, a little while since we gave each other that homework, we're, we're here to get the report cards, read the essays, all that stuff.
1: Can I just say the strangest part of this whole experience was the other day I got a text from Brandon and all it said was like, how's your homework coming along? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I even said, like, okay, Mom. Like,
0: <laughs> I haven't
1: been asked that in, like, a decade. Like, oh, my God. That right? is really weird.
0: <laughs> right? God. That's like when I, I'm meeting so many people that are either thinking about going to graduate school or getting master's or whatever, and they're, like, still in school. And they're like, oh, are you ever going to go back to school? I was like, no. I ended in 2014, and that is going to be the end of that. <laughs> no more school for me. But if you give me pop culture slash viewing homework, I'll take it seriously. That's the homework I kind of want.
1: Yeah, that's the fun kind, for sure. We had, like, the yeah. good kind of homework. And it turns out that's a thing, yeah.
0: Yes. So, uh... One of the segments we usually kick things off with is uh, what we've been watching, but since a lot of that is going to be what we're talking about in the main subject of the episode, I just saw one movie the other day I just want to bring up that wasn't homework or anything I saw in the theaters, uh, Jess. uh, I saw Won't You Be My Neighbor? The uh, documentary about Mr. Rogers, did you see this movie?
1: No, not yet. I have still been, like, really bad about going to see movies in the theaters as of (laughs) recent. Um, But I keep hearing that it's really amazing.
0: I've only heard good things, and finally, now that I've been, like, settled in Chicago, I found uh, there's a theater near me who typically plays... um, I wouldn't say just independent films but like the lesser known ones like they don't have the blockbusters like the Jurassic Worlds and the and the Incredibles and all the big budget movies they have a lot of the smaller budget ones and so they're playing Won't You Be My Neighbor and it is a fantastic documentary uh, Mr. Rogers I think like I remember seeing r- reruns when I was younger but like I don't dist- I don't have a distinct uh, memory of watching, but even just watching this documentary about it made me realize, like, all the things he was trying to do with his show. Like, and people may have just said, like, "Oh, he's a little creepy. It's goofy. It's weird. It's this." But there was a lot of political and, and uh, statements that he made with that show, a children's show, and he talked about serious topics, like, uh, you know, talk kids about death. Or uh, things regarding uh, assassinations, and uh, it's just incredible how long he did that. And honestly, just I think we need a Mister G- Mister Rogers for this generation to spread some more positive, constructive uh, messages, not only to kids but just in general.
1: Who do you think would be like the millennial Mister Rogers? Who's the closest thing we have to it?
0: Oh, like an actor or just, like, someone that's currently doing something?
1: Just a millennial Mr. Rogers. I think it would be uh, Donald Glover would probably be. (laughs) Right? Like, who else is, like, really cool and positive and everyone, like, universally likes them? I don't
0: know. Oh, good God. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm picturing him in a sweater.
1: Aw, wouldn't that be, like, nice? Wouldn't you want him to be like, hey, kids, hey, I need cookies, (laughs) let's talk about things, like... <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> oh gosh! Well, Jess, before we get into homework, is, was there any movies or shows like that that you you watched you wanted to bring up real quick?
1: Um, actually, no. I mean, everything I've been watching has been either assigned by Brandon or preparation for our next episode. So, uh, no, not not today, no.
0: Which should we give a little? Uh, should we give a little mention on what our next episode uh, we're aiming to do for episode fifty-eight?
1: sure let's let's play it here let's get people pumped
0: yeah so uh just uh we had a great time doing our tarantino film ranking um like uh i want to say about 10 episodes back or so well we're gonna return that and this is gonna be a recurring thing we're gonna do every now and then with some of our favorite directors we're gonna rank all of christopher nolan's feature films
1: yeah <laughs> we're doing it um <laughs> I it's been a while since I've seen most of his movies so I am actually like brushing up and rewatching them in preparation for it. So a lot of like interesting dark concepts have been flooding my mind these past few days with all these Nolan movies. So it's been a fun time.
0: Yeah. Uh I think I think Screen Junkies did like a like a an honest trailer for like every Christopher Nolan movie and just like poked fun at a lot of his traits that he brings to his movies and uh yeah it's it's really interesting to look back at like all of them cuz uh he's kind of like a director that kind of became famous like as we've been growing up here and uh yeah it's it's certainly going to be something to have to rank them cuz like there's a lot of people that argue with his movies that like a handful of his out of, like, the ten or so that he's done, that, like, that could be their favorite. Like, there's a few that are always towards the bottom, and then, like, the rest are always, like, contested for the top. So it was interesting to see if our rankings will be totally different or if it'll be, like, our Tarantino episode where, we, remember, we had the same number one. <laughs>
1: we had the same number one, but the rest of our lists were, like, completely different. Like, so that yeah. was interesting. Um, yeah, we both chose Reservoir Dogs because it is the greatest. Um, so yeah, I watched Batman Begins last night and before we get into like our movie homework, I just want to mention that I totally forgot Katie Holmes was in Batman Begins. <laughs> and she is just so rough. Like that is a really rough time. Like I'm kind of glad that for the second one like Scientology got to her and she wasn't in it. Um, so that was chill. But like yeah, no, I forgot she's not she's not a fantastic actress really.
0: All right, well. <laughs> Jess, <laughs> let's move on to our movie homework. So let's give a quick rundown on what we gave each other in case anyone has not uh, been following uh, the last episode or two when we've been talking about it. So, Jess, you gave me the, the doc documentary on Netflix called Five Foot Two uh, about Lady Gaga. You gave me the first two episodes of Riverdale and then an episode of Queer Eye.
1: Yes, and you gave me the first two episodes of Daredevil, a documentary on Hulu called Batman and Bill, and two wrestling, are they rounds? Is that what they're called? Matches. 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 Two wrestling matches. <laughs> Clearly, I did my homework really well. Um, you gave me Bailey versus Sasha for NXTX Women's Champion at NXTX TakeOver. Did I say that right?
0: NXT TakeOver, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, what is wait, is it what is it?
0: No, NXT NXT, NXT Women's I thought, Championship. I, I thought, I I thought you said 2 Xs.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I did. I don't know this stuff. So, and then you gave me match number 2, which was Johnny versus is it Tommaso? Yep. Uh, NXT something or other. So, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't write it down it extensively. I just wrote their names. So, yeah, so you gave me those three. Um would you like to report first?
0: Sure. Um, I guess we'll kick off with. Uh, you gave me one episode of Queer Eye, and Jess, I watched two, um, and plan so to watch proud more. Of
1: you. <laughs> you do. You plan to watch more?
0: Of course. There's not that many, so it wouldn't be that hard to do.
1: I know. I'm just so happy to hear that because I love Queer Eye. A lot of people love it. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like a really positive. Show, I think it's just a really good force for like really positive things. For it. you know what, I just figured it out. I just figured They're the Mister Rogers. There's the Mister gener- Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> the Fab Five is our Mister Rogers. Yes, yes. Oh
0: goodness. So yeah, you originally gave me the third episode titled uh, "Daga Don't," um, but I decided I wanted to watch the first one first just because I was curious how they, even though like it had been a different show prior. Um I wanted to kind of see how they kick things off if they introduce the characters maybe or things like that. So I watched the first episode, uh I think it's called You Can't Fix Ugly and then I also watched Daga Don't after that. So, um let's get it out of the way. I know everyone's curious. Everyone's been posting about it. Yes, I did cry. Let's just get that out of there. It's, there's no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a guy who, you know, is uncomfortable with the idea of crying or admitting it. I don't have a fragile masculinity like some people do. Uh, yeah, I cried. And uh, not like at sad things, obviously, but just because uh, the interactions that these guys have uh, with these people, like I'll just start with the you can't fix ugly Clearly, this uh, Tom guy is just a, you know, he, he's got a daughter. He's twice divorced. He, he kind of has fallen into this little funk where he, he's not really keeping taking care of himself health-wise, you know, body-wise and house and all that stuff. So, like, they kind of just needed to, like, lift his spirit so he can get back out there. And um, I don't know. I guess I just kind of liked... Like, the show, like, they did not... Not that I expected the the Fab Five to do this, but, like, I think other shows would go the easy route of, like, just, like, making fun of this person and then, like, oh, they need to do this, they need to do that, but, like, they really kind of just came in and, like, look, like, we understand if, you know, you're going to be like this, but, like, we're just going to show you how to eat a little better. We're going to decorate your place a little. We're going to, you know show you how to kind of have better skin care and hair care so that uh you know uh because the, the joke is he can he keeps saying you can't fix ugly and they're like well the first thing you need to do is like stop fucking saying that <laughs> and i don't know i just i i was really engrossed I, I loved um how much fun he had with them and then by the end of the episode they're like we gotta go And he just starts, like, crying. He's like, I love you guys. And they're like, we love you too. And I'm just like, damn it, Tom. You know? (laughs) Because, like, clearly, like, this was a good person who was just, like, you know, I bet a lot of people looked at him and thought that, like, he was just, like, a lost cause. He was a slob, twice divorced, lives by himself. He's gross. But they did not do that. They saw through all of his, uh, you know, things he was going through and helped him. Uh, through it and, and it was also like a nice twist because the, they kept talking about like yeah if you're going to date again and then like he like, reveals he's like oh my, my second ex-wife you, you know I love her and I still love her and this and um, they're like oh wait so like we're not just talking about you like dating in general like we got to get, get you back together with her and uh, just yeah that episode great Jess what did you think of that because uh, that's the first episode what did you think of that when you first saw it
1: I definitely cried, too, at the end when he, like, started saying goodbye, and as he brought it up, I actually just got chills, like, thinking about it, because it's just so, like, sweet and nice, and, like, like you said, like, this guy who was, like, the first, I guess, like, makeover, um, was someone that a lot of people would probably just write off and, like, make fun of or just think is ugly, which is probably why he kept saying that he was, because probably people have said it, um... You know, just be treated, like, with respect and kindness by, like, you know, five, like, really fabulous people, you know? And for them to come in and, like, do a makeover on him, but not to, like, you know, make him look better or, like, get hot and get a girlfriend. It was, like, to instill confidence in him and make him feel better about his life. And, like, I don't know. It was That got me hooked immediately. And I think why... I really like this show and why it feels so special is because it's like, it's really hard to find anything on TV that's just like pure nice and pure kindness, especially in reality TV. Because like in reality TV, entertainment is usually like fighting or drama and like ridiculous. Like it's just trashy. But this is like a piece of reality television that is really positive. There is like not one mean bone in the show's body at all it's just pure kindness and I think we just like need to see more of that um so that was very emotional definitely got me hooked I have seen every episode and there's a lot of that just a lot of really positive emotions out of it um but yeah I want to talk about the one that I signed for you because they again are very positive and very kind but at times they actually have like really uncomfortable conversations So
0: I'm curious to hear what you thought of that. Yeah. So, uh, when they kind of like mentioned that, uh, and Daga don't, that, uh, this guy, uh, was from Atlanta, Georgia, he was a cop. And then also just like, they're going through his garage and they see like some Trump supporter stuff. And, uh, I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh gosh, is this going to go like in that direction? And like, it, it didn't, um, it more so, uh, it, like, towards the beginning, like, it starts with, they're driving, like, every show, uh, you know, every episode starts, they're, like, driving to the place, and they're all, like, packed in an SUV, and, uh, they get pulled over, and I was like, oh, shit, and, uh, is it Carambo? Is that how you say his name? Caramo. Caramo. Uh, he's driving, and, like, he's, like, immediately afraid, like, cause this is obviously right in the heat of, like, a lot of uh, things happening, both uh, between, uh, minorities and police and i yeah
1: we should specify karamo is african-american and the rest of the fab five are white men
0: well tan is
1: oh oh yeah duh
0: (laughs) maybe (laughs) we should just that
1: part out (laughs) yeah
0: um so anyway karamo was the one driving and they're like immediately afraid and uh I i was like oh god shit seriously like this happens to them, of all people, like, these five nice guys, and, um... Like, there's even, like, one comment, like... Like, oh, uh, was it Johnny starts, like, recording on his phone, and they're like, what are you doing? And it's just like, well, because you never know what'll happen, and then Karamo just kind of makes a comment when the cop's not there, he's like, what did he even pull us over for? Because, like, the cop never says, like, what were you pulled over for? Uh, He just, like, asked for his license and whatnot, and then the their big reveal is that it's actually the best friend of the guy that they're going to make over. I need to get his name. Otherwise I'll keep just saying the guy. Um, and that both him and his friend are cops and he's like, Oh, I'm the one that actually nominated him to be on the show. Like I was just messing with you. Uh, Corey is his name. He's an uh, ex Marine and uh, a police officer in, 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 Georgia. And, uh, yeah, his friend, was the one that nominated him. And so, like, they're both cops. And, like, it was just, like, a, like kind of like a a gag in a way uh, to, like, scare them. He's like, all right, now I'll take you to go see Corey. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, that's not a funny joke. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> obviously, like, it was probably planned. It's a reality show. Like, it was probably, like, thought out. But, like, it was just, like, scary. And then come to, like, find out later, Cromo uh, admits to Corey, like, I was immediately turned off meeting you I thought we'd have no connection I was not planning on really getting to know you that well and um, they have like this kind of like montage part where they're talking as they're driving together it's just Karamo and Corey and they're talking about music they like and talking about this and then they start joking like hey I believe if we went to high school together we probably would have been friends and like they're making a connection and then they talk about the uh, like the elephant in the room that like Corey's a cop Cromo's black and like all the stuff that's going on and like Corey admits like it's ridiculous how some of those cops use excessive force and then Cromo admits that it's it's ridiculous how like all cops are lumped together just the same way that like all black people are like lumped as criminals and so it was just like this moment that I was not expecting to see in an episode uh, of Queer Eye of All Things You know, I thought they were just going to come in, kind of like the first episode, redo the house, teach them to be healthier, get them some new clothes, get them all spiffied up. But um, to go into such like a deep thing and like they just have a conversation and they come to an understanding. And like I think it was Corey actually says, you know, if a lot of the people that are kind of discussing these big things just did what we just did, just like sat and talked we would come to an agreement and an understanding, but so often it's just people like protesting and yelling at one another or people assuming this, assuming that of these people. And it was, yeah, powerful. And that was just like, okay. Like I was already probably going to watch more based on just like how happy the first one episode made me. But then when that happened, I was like, all right, you got me Netflix. You got me queer. I like, I'm going to watch the rest of these. And uh, like, there's no question about it.
1: Yeah, that conversation was pretty much why I chose this specific episode. and I mean, not just that, but that conversation was something, like, really unexpectedly important for people to watch because it showed us, like, there are sometimes really a lot of things, especially nowadays, that make us really uncomfortable and are really challenging to see eye to eye on but if you just have like a simple conversation with someone it can make the world of difference like you don't need to yell you don't need to cry you just just talk to someone like a human and you can see like their side of the situation and you can learn from it and grow from it And so yeah that was like so unexpectedly amazing to watch and yeah that's pretty much why I, I chose that because I wanted to see, show you like what the power of Queer Eye looks like like why people are so enamored with it like why people are like tweeting about how they just cried from like an episode or like how they've like been shook by it it's because of like things like that and even like in that episode too just like there was so much compassion like um like Corey when he was talking to Tan about like his style at one point like Corey starts to cry because some of the clothes he has, like, are his father's who just passed away, and yeah. Tan just looks at him and goes, "Can I give you a hug?" And they, these like two men, like who could not be more different, like who could yeah. not be more different, um, just have this like really kind moment, just like of human empathy. Just like, cause we all experience loss, we all experience pain, and just because you're like so different from someone doesn't mean you can't understand them. And so, like that, like something like that was really special to see too. Or like, like Jonathan um, showing Corey and his daughters how to make like DIY face masks, like yeah. just like little simple things like that, like where you can connect on a human level, even if you feel like your worlds apart. Um, yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. You like it, and you're going to watch more because I, it's honestly a show that I think everyone should watch. I really yeah. do.
0: Well, that's the thing is like I was never like actively avoiding it. It was just like in general, there's like a lot of stuff I'm behind on, and uh, like I, I knew I'd give it a chance. Like I, I was not denying it would be great, but then like actually sitting down and finally getting to watch it, like it's like all right. Like, like it, almost like if it's, like, a good movie coming out, it's just like, all right, take my money. You, you know, like, all right, Netflix, you know, I'm I'm going to sit and watch all these. Um, which uh, I kind of almost have to... <laughs> um, to kind of, uh, now that we've talked about, like, a lot of the serious stuff with uh, Queer Eye, uh, just generally talk about, like, I, I do kind of... The, I feel like the, the Fab Five, like, they have, like, this infectious kind of just happy energy, like as they kind of goof around with one another, you you know, and uh, that's one thing I enjoyed in the two episodes I watched is like, you could just tell that they're friends and that they uh, just love uh, having fun and uh like when they're looking for a mattress with tom in the first episode like they're jumping on some of the beds or you know like i think at one point like jonathan kind of like pretends to be like giving birth to like a pillow or like something weird and then like tom's just like cracking up he's like you guys are crazy you know like it just like uh, he's just cracking up the whole time and i think it's because yeah they're just they know how to have fun and i wish that like more people can just be doing that like spreading positivity um So, Jess, uh, that was uh, Queer Eye. Anything else you'd like to say before we move on to one of your homework assignments?
1: Um, Just that, honestly, like, I know if you haven't seen it, on the surface it probably just looks like a typical makeover show, Like, like the original sort of was, where I think the perception, if you haven't seen it, could just be like, five guys come into another guy's life and just tell them how to live. Like, do this, do that, and you'll be pretty. And that's so not what it's like at all. And that was honestly something, like, before I had started watching it, that I would expect it to be. But it's just, it's not that. It's it's making someone feel the best they can for who they are. And not try. they never try to change anyone. They never try to, like, make someone skinny and pretty. And, like, we're gonna yeah. give you a new clothes. Like, it's not like that. It's like, We're going to make you feel and look and be the best that you can because you deserve that. And, yeah, I just think that, like, that's something really special. And, like, for those of you who haven't seen it, just keep that in mind. Don't be, like, hesitant because it's really not just, like, another, like, reality TV show. I don't think there's really been a reality TV show that's like this, really. Like, that instills so much positivity in people. And so, yeah, just don't hesitate to watch it just because you don't like reality TV or makeover shows or anything like that because this is so different from them.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because, uh, like, I, I I did not watch their original... It was an MTV show, right?
1: It was uh, Bravo before anyone Bravo. really watched Bravo. Yeah, it was, like, Bravo's first hit. One more thing before we move on, just a really, like, piece of really good news, is yeah. um, Tom... From the first episode Is still with his Second ex-wife And I think they're now engaged again So they're still together Isn't oh. that sweet?
0: Which makes me wonder why they got divorced in the first place But <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's good to hear um, So, Jess uh, I've been dying to know The first thing I want to talk to you about Is, what did you think of the wrestling assignments I gave you? (laughs) Um. Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
1: Okay. I didn't... I'll just start off by saying I did not hate it. I didn't dislike it, even. I wasn't, like, wanting to die for those 20-plus minutes I watched. Um, some just, like, initial thoughts I had... This was the first time I've ever watched wrestling ever, like, in my whole life. I've never watched wrestling. It was never my thing. I, like, you know, I know who, like, John Cena is and, like, of course The Rock and Hulk Hogan. Um, But, like, I don't know much else past that. Never watched it. So, the first one I watched was Bayley versus Sasha Banks for NXT Women's Championship. Um, So... For those of you who are like me and who've, like, never watched wrestling, each, like, match starts off with, like, a video package with background and, like, the storyline of what you need to know. And basically what I got out of this one was that, like, Bailey was, like, sort of a newcomer who, like, really kicked ass and, like, got herself all the way to the championship and, like, this was it. Um, And she was facing Sasha Banks, who... Is like badass bitch, like number one top dog. Already had the championship title from last year. Is that right? She was already.
0: Uh, like she yeah, uh, Sasha Banks says, yeah. She had been keeping it for like a, I think it was like a good few to six months. Like she had been defending it. So uh, yeah, she was the totally like the top, uh, the top of NXT at that time in the women's division.
1: Okay, so yeah, it was like very much like a, like an underdog versus the champion like type of storyline um yeah so like the first thing that I was like really taken aback by that I wasn't expecting was just like who Bailey was in general because she's very like bubbly and like wears a lot of colors and like she's like super amped and like super pumped to be there like she's like I'm gonna kick some bitches ass yes (laughs) haha like she's like super into it and like Sasha Banks is very, like, what I would have pictured as a female wrestler. Like, that is who that is. Like, 100%. I expected it to be, like, two Sasha Banks. Like, just like that. Um, But I think that's, like, what made me a little more engaged in this one is because their personalities are so different. Like, that that kind of made it interesting. It didn't feel like just, like, the same person. Um, Yeah, like, and i think the fact that like sasha to me like looks and feels more like a stereotypical like female wrestler just just worked even more for that like champ versus underdog feel because like the bubbliness of bailey felt a little naive like an underdog and like the hard-ass bitch feels like a champion so like their personalities also worked for that like story type mold um I gotta say, there were times where the choreography was, like, really extra and, like, really <laughs> fake and a little much. Um, but, like, yeah, that was—it was it was pretty wild. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was— um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> So what did you think of the end result? I mean, did you see it coming? Or if you did, even if you did, like, did— Was it so entertaining for you?
1: I saw it coming kind of like video package. Like, I kind of figured from the beginning they were setting up for Bailey to win. I don't know if that's a spoiler, if anyone cares that I spoiled it. Um, It's from
0: 2015. Oh, it's that
1: old?
0: It's like 2015, 2016 or something like that. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, I kind of did expect Bailey to win because, again, that was like what the setup was. It was like a perfect setup for that. Um, and also, like in the video package, they show like a really like young girl who's a really big fan of Bailey's, and just showing that made it feel like, okay, like the like this crowd is really behind her. they like really want her to win. so it just made sense that she would win. um I didn't expect it to be like so epic towards the end though because it's very like theatrical and like towards the end they're like both lying on the ground they're both panting they both like had the shit beat out of them they're like oh how are we gonna go on like it was just like it was that was a really dramatic kind of build up to it and then I couldn't tell you like what the move was or what they did or oh like they almost like got each other to almost tap out and like it was just like that was epic like the nearing the end was really epic um and, yeah, I think it made sense if, like, they already had Bailey planned to win for it to, like, go down that, like, Sasha, like, really, really tried. Like, they still made her look good even though she didn't win. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, so, I th- okay, this might be, like, super lame, but one of my favorite parts of, like, the whole viewing experience of wrestling was um, at the end, after Bailey won, um, Bailey and Sasha, and I think, like, the other female wrestlers who, like, participated in the championship, like, all, like, have a nice, like, group hug, and they're like, yay, Bailey did it, and I just, like, thought that was really nice to see camaraderie, because I wasn't expecting that in wrestling, like, at all, um, yeah, I just, like I said, like, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around wrestling culture in general, Um, I've, I'm looking at my notes right now and I wrote down like five questions just like as my train of thoughts, like, how does this work? (laughs) Are the winners determined? Oh, oh, I wrote, I wrote like, are the announcers improvising? Because the announcers are awful. They are (laughs) rough. Okay, literally at one point, One announcer said, stop talking, I want to watch Sasha fight. And the other one said, I wish you'd stop talking. And it was like, I wish you both would stop talking. You are the worst part of it. Like, why are you talking? So like, what's the deal with that? Like, are the announcers just like shooting the shit like making it up or do they have a script because sometimes it feels very scripted like I just have so many questions also just so that, like the WWE fan base like do we know it's like all not real but we pretend like okay. it is real or do you like do you think it's real
0: no 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 see that's like there may be some little kids that still think that because, like, they don't understand it yet. But that's that's one of the... I'll just say that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And actually, when I had uh, my uh, good buddy Michael Palmendary, uh on... It was, like, way back, like, episode 19 or so, something of the podcast. We talked about wrestling because uh, he's also a fellow wrestling fan. Um, we all know that it's not real. It's like when you go to a movie or you watch TV. Like, we know it's... Or, or like, a, a play. Like, we know you know, if someone on stage shoots someone that, like, they didn't actually get shot. So it's, like, most people, unless you're, like, little kids who don't understand it yet, like, we all know, but we're there for the storylines and the moments. And, like, because, like, as far as, like, people are curious, like, how scripted, not scripted it is. I mean, like, when it comes to the announcers, a lot of the times they don't quite know the results so that they can try to get them... Sometimes they have good spur-of-the-moment reactions, but then other times I haven't watched this match in a little while, so I can't remember what the announcers were like. Um, but yeah, sometimes the announcers can be really bad. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, the the conclusion is usually determined beforehand, but a lot of the times the wrestlers get to kind of, like, with the pro, uh, the producer, choreograph, like, what Moves are happening, or what moments are happening, what beats, or sometimes they they just change it on the fly in the ring, and they'll just be whispering to each other, "Okay, you're gonna go do this," and like I, that's why I just think like their athletic abilities is so like uh, commendable, how they can, uh, and like some of them like there's been guys who like will literally get like a concussion in the middle of a match and keep going, and just based on like it's so like ingrained like what to do. That they just go on, you know, with injuries and stuff like that. So, like, it's, uh, like, we all don't know the result as far as, like, like, sure, they had been set, they literally were building to Bailey winning for months. But, like, there's been times where they do that with other people and then they go the other way. And, like, but they were really going for, like, Bailey was being built as this really feel-good, like you said, there's this little girl fan who's, like, her number one fan um, that, like, dresses just like her, wears her hair just like her, all that stuff. So, like, they were building for months and months and months to have her finally win the title that, like, her friends had already won. Um, And then, like... Occasionally in the business, they kind of, like, sort of break characters, like, after the match, like they did, where even though Sasha's the villain character and Bayley's the hero, like, they hug after, because, like, it was just such a good match, and, like, that's why I I really wanted you to see that one, because there was a long, long stigma in wrestling, unfortunately, especially in the WWE, where it's just, like, females cannot wrestle as good as males. And so like, it was always treated as a joke, but like, there was all these female wrestlers who kept wanting to prove that wrong, prove that wrong, prove that wrong. And then like, these were two of the, you know, many, uh, female wrestlers who came forward and put on such a good story and match to where people weren't just saying, Oh, that was a good match for, for women. They were just saying, that's a great match in general. And so that's why I figured you would especially like it, even though, the ending may have been seen from far away, but it was just, like, they had done the story perfectly to set her up so that then once, you know, Sasha lost, that, like, Bailey can now be, like, the top person in NXT. Uh, And you wanted to just see her now go on the rest of her journey defending the title to to new people and move on to different storylines and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I... I'm glad that this was, like, the first thing of wrestling that I've ever watched because it was, like, engaging and compelling, um, not just because of their personalities, but because some of the choreography was really fucking good. And, like, like you were saying, you know it's fake, but the athleticism they have to, like, uh, just even do some of those things and, and sell it in a really real way... That takes a lot. And so I understand now, like, the wrestling fan base liking the theatricality of the whole thing because it is really entertaining. So I totally get that. And I don't think I really got that before. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm actually, like, really glad I watched it. I was, like, really interested by it. Um, and, yeah, even though, like, the ending, I, I kind of predicted it, but that's also because, like, I study these like story like how story works and that is a st- yeah. like a, an archetype of a story that's set up a lot with the underdog winning Um even though I kind of saw it coming like I still wasn't bored by it like I still was was into it and like into watching it and like I said the ending felt very epic even though maybe the end was predictable like the way they sold it with their acting and like their like actual like choreography was really interesting um so i actually i enjoyed that one a lot more than i expected to for sure <laughs> <laughs> um the other one i watched i didn't hate it but
0: to- yeah Tommaso <laughs> champa versus johnny gargano this one was actually just from like a few months ago so this is a very recent one
1: uh I, I was kind of bored with it um i didn't i don't i wasn't engaged i wasn't nearly as engaged i was really sort of um for some reason it just didn't like click with me i didn't love it i didn't you know like so basically like they were best friends and then there was like this weird like hyper masculine drama because like w- like they uh, fought and then they've stopped fighting or i don't know it was like it was also very aggressive like like, I understand it's wrestling, but it's like, okay, calm down. Like, take a breath. Like, it's cool. Like, it was just very aggressive, very fast. <laughs> the video packaging was just, like, two men yelling at a camera, being like, you fucked me over! And it's like, whoa, whoa. Um, and then they fought and then i noticed like when i was watching um bailey versus sasha i actually watched the whole thing i was i was watching it and i noticed somewhere down the line with this one i like wound up scrolling on my phone and then i realized oh you're scrolling on your phone you're not even watching it and then i looked up and i'm like oh they're still going oh my god they're still going like i don't know why <laughs> i just like i was like not that engaged with it, and maybe it was because, like, this time the storyline was, like, best friends become enemies, and that felt just, like, a little, like, bloated of a story, and like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I didn't, and it was, like, you know, one is, like, clearly the good guy, and one is clearly the bad guy, and, like, that's not that fascinating for me to watch, like, there, there wasn't, like, Any one that I was like really rooting for, like in the Sasha versus Bailey one, I was rooting for Bailey, so I was a little more engaged. Whereas this one, like Johnny versus Tommaso, to me, I couldn't care less who won. Like it was just like (laughs) it was just like whatever, guys. Like you're, it's just I don't know. So like Johnny was like the good one, right? Like the good guy, and then Tommaso was like the bad guy, and like the again with like the video packaging. It was just like, like almost like too much. Like, where like Johnny's like super good and super great, and look at his wedding. He got married. He's got a wife. He's in love. He's so great. And it's like Tommaso has a weird beard and is bald, Ugh, icky. And it was like, it was, I don't know. To me, I would, again, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't engaged, and, um,. That ending was very predictable in a way that wasn't engaging. I think, like, like I kind of figured the good guy would win, because, duh, like that's the story people want to see. They want to see the good guy win.
0: I think it was just the particular two that I chose. That yeah, it was it was very clear cut. This person's the the hero. This person's the villain. Whereas like it's not always so clear cut. Or if it is, it's not. Uh, you know, I, I just. You know, I personally, like, enjoy... Because, like, there is, like, some, you know, little realism to the story. The fact that, like, the guys are, like, best friends in real life. And, you know, it's, like, it may have been over a bit over the top in the packaging. But uh, uh, did you at least appreciate, like, some of the things that they would do, like, athletically, um, like, story-wise, like, in the match?
1: Yeah, I think that's something I've grown to, like, appreciate um, about wrestling in general. Because it's something, like, I didn't... This might sound ignorant, but, like, I didn't fully get it, or I didn't even, like, try to get it, because to me, like... Like... And, again, I don't mean to sound like an asshole, and I don't know if there's any way I can say this without sounding like an asshole, but before I watched it, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Like, I thought it looked really fake. Are you guys pretending like it's fake, or is it supposed to be real? This is super weird. It's guys in weird outfits who are super... Like, I just didn't get it. um, But having watched it, like, I... I wouldn't say I've I've become a wrestling fan at all I wouldn't say that but I would say that I have like this newfound appreciation and respect for the craft of doing it because it is like a lot of theatricality and athleticism to be able to like do these kinds of stunts and do it in a way that have people so engaged and feel real sometimes even like the most dramatic things like like the silliest stunts are sold and made to feel like real like and I did appreciate that so like that's why I would say I didn't hate this match um, I didn't hate it because I, there was a level of respect I had for it just the fact that those guys could like go out there and do it like I I respect that but yeah for me like not knowing who these guys were and only learning about their backstory like you know five seconds before they're about to fight like I wasn't that interested by it and like maybe if I knew who they were and like followed them as a fan I would have been um but again like I didn't hate it and I definitely respect it I do um I am never gonna shit on wrestling again because like yeah it takes a lot to do that and well good yeah so like I get it I would say I am glad I watched this because even though like I'm not a newfound fan of wrestling and I don't know if I will ever watch a match again when that might be um I would say like I it's a piece of pop culture that I now have like a better understanding of
0: well, good, and that's what like I try to tell most people is like I get if it's not your thing, but and it's funny that you brought up that question. it's like, yeah we don't we don't think it's real like it's it's just it's a show you know it's it's like any other thing and and then like people like myself who are really big fans, we start reading about a lot of the backstage politics because like even though like fans may love a person, you know the writers and producers may not make that person you, you know. In storylines or do well Or do well or go for championships Like they may like literally just like shit on that person And give them a stupid character And like we're just like It's just a great like Combination of like theater and stunt work And um That's where like I appreciate uh Like he's uh Just all the stuff going into it Opposed to you know Thinking like oh my god they really hate each other You know it's like It's when you're a kid, you think that, but uh, once you grow up and kind of, like, understand things of the business and, like, the behind-the-scenes, you realize all the stuff that goes on to get them to that, like, where they're at.
1: So wrestling was something that, like, I really wasn't into that I, I guess, kind of, like, got a new appreciation for, and I'm curious, with five foot two, if you now have a new appreciation for Lady Gaga, so... Tell me what you thought about five foot two.
0: So yeah, five foot two, the Gaga doc. Um, I guess I should start by like yeah I uh, I'm. It's weird how like I, f- I feel like when it comes to Gaga fans, it's there's either people that like love her and like worship her, or like people that are like oh she's too over the top and she's too this. Like it, it's like it's like a love hate relationship. I feel like with Lady Gaga, and like I've always. Liked her songs I mean, I often I often say when people Ask what kind of music I like I just say anything but country Um, so like she fits In that category Of not country I actually say the
1: same thing The same exact thing (laughs) Because it's true Yeah
0: Yeah, but then they're like What bands? And I'm like, honestly I've been listening to a lot of Movie score Pandora But anyway Okay, I don't say
1: that
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shut up So Um Yeah, like, I, it's funny. So a lot of this film is building up to her Super Bowl halftime performance. And I'll admit, as someone who, you know, I'm a football fan, and uh, I, I love trying to watch most of the time in the Super Bowl, unless it's, like, teams I really don't care about. I'm usually someone who, like, doesn't really care about the halftime show, so I often kind of dismiss it. I, I'm like, why is it so over the top? Why is it this? Why, why has it become this, like, big ordeal that, like, a halftime show, um, <laughs> like, I almost want to sound like just, like, a stupid guy that's just like, you're delaying my football. You know, like, it just, I, I never really got it. But what this shows is when, like, she's, Uh, doing rehearsals with, like, uh, all of her, like, background dancers and, like, they're talking about, like, the wardrobe and fashion and all these things. I was like, holy shit, kind of like what you said with the wrestling about, like, not exactly appreciating it before. That's where I really started to appreciate how much time actually goes into that performance. And, uh like performances in general but like that particular one like it was such a big deal to her and she really wanted it to go well and i just remember i think i don't know if someone had messed something up during the rehearsal like the one part of the doc but she pretty much kind of like gives a speech to everyone like look like i'm going for here to here to here to here to do this like not like complaining like i gotta do all this shit but more so just like we can't one thing can throw off one thing. It's like a domino effect. Like, if one thing goes wrong, like, if she is supposed to transition from, like, putting a jacket on or someone hands her an instrument or whatever, and if something flubs, it's going to throw off the whole thing. And it's true. No one's going to blame... No No one in, like, the news the next day is going to be like, yeah, that dude who was supposed to pass her the guitar really fucked up. They're going to say, like, Lady Gaga, like, botched, you know, Super Bowl halftime performance. So I, like really started to appreciate, like, how much time went into choreographing the whole performance, as well as making sure every beat gets there, um, and just the fact that it's, like, not, I don't think it's egotistical of, like, her to say, and I don't think she necessarily says it, but, like, the fact that, like, if something goes wrong, the media is gonna blame her, and they're not gonna just blame the, the this background people, or the stage hands, or, like, the people that no one knows like does that make sense
1: yeah no totally i mean like i am actually the opposite with you when it comes to halftime shows that's like all i care about at the super bowl i don't give a shit about the football game (laughs) um (laughs) but at the same time like it wasn't something i considered like how much goes into a performance like that where like literally the country's watching you um and it can literally make or break you. And for her, it was really interesting because, like you said, she's such a divisive artist. People either love her or they hate her or they like kind of like her songs, but she's weird or whatever. Like, she's very <laughs> divisive. And so for her to yeah. do something so mainstream with people of all demographics, all ages, sitting at home, going to watch her, like, she was very cognizant of the, that fact and used it to her advantage to show people I am more than, like, what you think. I am not just some person who puts on a meat dress or, like, bleeds out at the Grammys. Like, I am a singer, and I love music, and I love this country, and I love you guys. Like, she really, like, took that moment and made it her own, which was great. And I just, I love this documentary so much because it shows how hard she works, which is something a lot of people really don't consider. They think of her, again, as, like, a performance artist, or, like, a kooky person, or, like, wearing weird dresses, or whatever. Like, she's not really thought of, like, as a hard worker, and I think that, like, lifted the veil on this persona that we think of as Lady Gaga, and showed, like, yeah, like, the Super Bowl halftime show is, like, a big part of the documentary, but they also show her working on an album, like... guest starring on American Horror Story Um, there was talks of like her joining the Stars Board movie that like just the trailer just dropped a few weeks ago like so it's like showing like all the facets of her life and how hard she works and like like you were saying with the Super Bowl halftime show at some point like she breaks down to her team like if the weight of this sleeve is this is too heavy then it fucks me up from playing my guitar and if I can't play my guitar then this happens and it just shows you like how detail oriented she is and she's like that for like everything like every piece yeah. of her is so detailed oriented and it's so interesting because again it's just when we think of like big pop stars we don't always think of like the work that they could potentially put in and how much they like strive to make it happen and you're right like how much like they can actually be really vulnerable because if the super bowl halftime show went wrong which it didn't like a lot of people actually really loved it like i loved it i think it's an amazing performance um but if it had gone wrong then she's on the line and she's a joke and she's like like look at janet jackson like we still reference that we still make fun of that it's still very much a part of her identity and yeah it just shows like you would think like being that famous and that big and that wealthy would make you like immune to things but it really doesn't it kind of does the opposite and just real quick too like the same thing was shown with her album joanne which was like deeply personal for her and it showed that like yeah she's putting out an album and she's a mega pop star around the world but like if this album goes bad then she looks like a dud and it was like a very personal album. So that would be de- devastating. Um, but yeah, I am in the camp that loves Lady Gaga. I think she's so talented. I've liked her for a really long time. And so when the documentary came out, I was all into it. I thought it was fascinating and I watched it actually a few times. Um, and I just find <laughs> it like super inspiring too, just to see her work. But um, I was just curious like, one of the main reasons why I assigned it to you was to just hear what, like, uh, a person who doesn't necessarily love Gaga, what they think of this movie and, like, this character piece on her.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, and and like I said, it was not that I was in the, the, the camp that doesn't like Gaga, but I, I just... When it comes to, like, the music industry in general, um, I'm just, like... I often joke, like, I'm a nerd when it comes to movie, TV, comic, wrestling, comedy. I, I like... I'm not a nerd for music, that's just because there's only so much room in, in my little head, um <laughs> like for of like nerd knowledge to attain. And so like I enjoy music. It's just not something that like I follow artists and, and no albums and no lyrics and no this and no titles of songs. And so uh yeah, like this was a glimpse Because like you said, like she developed this persona of like she wears the meat dress, she does this and like what is she doing now? And like it's good to know that it's like almost not you know, it's not just for, like, the attention. Um, and, like, she's not, like... Like, okay. So, like, there's a moment where she's very vulnerable. Where, like, she's dealing with, like, this injury. Like, this chronic pain she had been having. Um, and, like, she has, like, a team of, like, kind of... Uh, like, they're kind of, like, massaging. Like, where she's hurting. And, like, really, like, stretching her. And trying to get her to where she's not in pain. And you see her with the doctor and, and everything. And I remember she was, like, kind of, like, parts in the dock, like, crying and just, like, saying how much, like, pain she was in. It's, like, unbearable in this. and, um But then she acknowledges that, like, and I have a team helping me. I don't know what other people are doing who deal with this who don't have what I have. And I was, like, oh, thank God. Because, like, like, when she was, like, crying and, like, saying she was in so much pain, I just wanted to be, like... I My head instantly went to, like, for any celebrities, like, oh, yeah, well, do you have a team that can help you with that? But then she acknowledges it. She says, like, yes, I do have a team and I feel so bad that, like, you know, I can't, you know, that other people can't have the attention that I have when it comes to, uh, you know, working out what I'm working out. But also... Uh, if anyone wants to disagree with that, I would say, yeah, but, like, if someone's in pain, like, and they're not, like, a famous person, they're not really doing anything, they can maybe just, like, not do stuff. But she has such a high-demand schedule, like, she has to keep going. Otherwise, people are going to be like, oh, where's Lady Gaga? You know, the where's this? But, you know, she powers through, um, even though people, like, kind of judge her based on, like, her outlandishness and whatnot. Uh, but she is, and she's, like... What is she? She's young, too, isn't she? Like, she's a lot younger than I thought. Like, she's only, what?
1: Is she even 30 Yeah, she's only...
0: She's she's only 32, but, like, she's kind of been, what, famous, like, the last, like, 10 years or so? So, like, I feel like, yeah, she's been famous since she was, like, early 20s. Yeah, I mean, she's been
1: doing it a lot longer than we realize. Like, she came up quick. She said, like, she was only really performing... heavily for like three years before just dance came out and her career took off so like yeah she's been around in like the pop culture scene for a pretty long time at this point
0: yeah and so I guess that was one thing that really stuck out to me was that she acknowledged the fact that like she does have a team and she is like not being complacent even though she has those things if that makes sense
1: Yeah, I think that was a really interesting moment, too, because, like, she was feeling bad for herself and then sort of realized that, like, I have doctors that can come to my house and take care of me. Like, what about people who don't have that at all? Like, what do they do? They must be suffering, suffering even more. And we don't always think of, like, mega pop stars to be empathetic, you know, or celebrities in general. They, like... The stereotype is that celebrities are very, like, in their own world and in their own head and delusional from reality. And that was the moment that showed, like, no, some of them are, like, hello Johnny Depp, but, like, some of them are real humans too like they are humans and so i just think again i really love this documentary for like a few different reasons but it also just serves. speaking of unveiling
0: uh something that uh is not exactly shown or discussed as much Uh, jess you got to see the documentary on hulu called batman and bill would you like to uh talk about that um especially because in your previous episode we, you wanted to end the Batman fr- <laughs> movie franchise <laughs>
1: <laughs> I still sort of do <laughs> anyway um yeah so Batman and Bill I thought was super fascinating so for those of you who'd never heard the story before like me um Batman and Bill is about uh, sort of like the secret creator of Batman named Bill Finger, um, and how essentially Bob Kane, who's credited as like the 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 creator of Batman, um, essentially kind of stole his idea and took it as his own. Sort of like he didn't explicitly do that, but he sort of shadily did. Um, and then how as Batman. Ballooned, it grew into what it was. Bob Kane still had the credit, and Bill Finger was kind of left in the dust. Um, so I thought it was really fascinating for a few different reasons. Um, that story alone, I had no idea about that at all. I didn't know there was a controversy over who wrote Batman. Um, I'd never heard of Bill Finger before. Um, so just learning all that was really interesting. But what I really liked about it, too, was that um, it, it focuses on a fan of Batman who, and I can't remember the guy's name. I don't know if you remember Brandon, but a fan who was so passionate about getting Bill Finger the credit he deserved that like, he took this on. Himself and investigated and learned about Bill Finger and, like, found out his life story. Um, By the time this fan, like, started to investigate, Bill Finger had already passed. And so it's just all about how this fan, like, took on this this (laughs) justice, so to speak, and sort of, in a weird way, became Batman of the scenario. And, (laughs) and, but, you know... I think this documentary really, really taught me that like, artists have been exploited for a lot longer than what we think. We don't always think about like how many people who create something don't get the credit they deserve. Because honestly, like Bill Finger's probably one in a million of stories like this, which is unfortunate, but true. But what I was really mind blown by was how even after, like, Bob Kane had passed away and he wasn't around to, like, defend himself, how, yeah, like, Warner Brothers still, like, got involved and, yeah, like, it was a little ridiculous. Like, um, and I don't know much about, like, how DC handled it later on because they really didn't talk too much about it because a lot of it was um, them trying to just get Bill Finger's name on the movies, uh... And the sh- and the show Gotham and like something so simple like like literally his name just typed in the credits like that's not that crazy to do, um, yeah. You know especially probably because like. St- not everyone who's watching those movies know who Bob Kane is like I I didn't and I've seen all those movies so it's not like yeah. it would really change anything from an audience perspective it's not like they would lose ticket sales by having Bill Finger in the credits but yeah like Warner Brothers would block them and then there was like these weird like conspiracy yeah sort of a conspiracy theory about whether or not like certain contracts existed that Warner Brothers like claimed existed with Bob and but like wouldn't show anyone so like yeah it's. It's like really strange how like, like yeah, the idea of like someone not getting their credit that's not that crazy, but like decades after the fact that like people are still covering for it, like that is bizarre. But like also, not really a spoiler because it's like public knowledge, I suppose, but like one of the craziest reveals to me in that documentary was towards the end, where they also revealed that Uh, Warner Brothers was having issues over ownership with Superman and giving credit for that. So, like, it's... It was just, like, oh, it wasn't just this story. They did it for Superman as well. Like, that's really shady.
0: Yeah. Which, like, I can understand from, like, their point... Like, maybe, like, the outside point of view, like, devil's advocate, like, oh, like, is someone trying to come now get money after all these years? But, like, the fact that, like, the family, like, didn't even want money but just wanted Bill Finger's name to be like where it was supposed to be which was every time it's and not, not just on the movies or TV shows but like every time from now on when someone should open up a comic book it should say created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger and my thing also that was so crazy was it wasn't just that like he helped come up with like the design of Batman and like that's all he did but the fact that he helped come up with uh, the Joker, Robin, the 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 quintessential Batman origin story of his parents getting killed in the alley, the Batmobile, calling him the Dark Knight. Uh, other villains like like Joker, I think it was Joker, Riddler, Scarecrow, Penguin, Catwoman, like these essential things not only to Batman but to comics that still, decades later, are prominent. I could understand if it was like, oh, yeah, he came up with some stuff and then we changed it and we moved on from it. Like, no, like <laughs> you saw like oh, Batman Begins, like not that long ago, they still do that origin story. The Gotham is about the origin, you know, the the pilot episode, like the Waynes get killed in the alley. Like it's it's still stuff from that long ago that he had a big hand uh, no pun intended. With his last name being Finger, like he had a big hand in creating, um, and that all—all all they want, you know. He's dead. He's not going to get the money for it. it he just—he just deserves to be right next to Bob Kane's name, and just like the shadiness of not just Warner Brothers, but Bob Kane himself, who like. I think he even said at one point, like, "Oh yeah, I should have given him credit, but whatever," you yeah, know. And like, <laughs> he does.
1: yeah. But after he died, after Bill Finger died, because Bill Finger died before Bob Kane, and yeah, it seemed like essentially like Bill Finger kind of fell into it on accident. Like, um, like they were saying, like the first thing that they worked on together was the actual like aesthetic of Batman, and originally Bob Kane's idea looked more like Robin, like actually like had red in the outfit and like a little like eye mask. It looked a lot more like Robin. And it was Bill Finger who was like, well, we need to have like a darker color palette. He came up with the cowl. like, yeah, he came up with like the Batman we all know today, um, aside from like the essential characters. But then it seemed like Bob Kane took that to the sales rep, sold it, and was like, okay, buddy, I'm gonna be the face, you'll be the brains. And then it just continued on to become even worse, where Bob Kane yeah. became the face and the idea and the creator and, like, the god of Batman. It was, it was like, re- he got super cocky with it. Um, and then, yeah, like, when he, after Bill Finger died, and I think it was, like, a couple years after he died, Bob Kane, was like, wrote an op-ed that was just, like, yeah, whoops, he was, like, actually, like, he came up with some stuff, like, you know, whoopsie-doodles. Um so like yeah <laughs> Bob is- Kane I don't even know him and he was terrible um and and like
0: just the ego on Bob Kane like the fact that like at the the Batman premiere like he had like a big outfit and he was always dressing in these like colorful outlandish suits and like trying to you, you know like you could just tell like the ego on him that like he really at some point believed that it was all him and uh The fact that they, like, put, like, this big thing on his gravestone about, like, creating Batman. And then, like, Bill Finger wasn't even given, like, a... Like, he was just given, like, a number. Like, it didn't even say, like, his name because, like, no one had, like, made funeral arrangements. It's just, like, just a crazy story. That was,
1: like, really depressing to, to learn, like where Bill Finger's life ended as opposed to where Bob Kane's life ended and, like, the juxtaposition of, like, the rich and the poor. So so depressing. But what was interesting, too, was this fan, um, Mark is his name, right? Yeah. Okay. Mark, like, went into this and also gave us Bill Finger's story. So, like, not only is it about, like, the fight between the credit and who deserves it, which is obviously Bill Finger, he also, like... Got into who he was as a person and like taught us that too, like, honored this guy by showing us like what his legacy was and who he was. Um, but yeah, so there was original, like, in his investigation, there was a rumor that he had died alone in his apartment, which is true, and that he couldn't afford a gravestone, so he was just like numbered, nameless gravestone. But then At the end, we learned that that wasn't true. What had actually happened was his son got him cremated and his son by himself alone, like, took him to a beach. And I actually started crying at this part. It was, like, super sweet. He, like, etched the bat sign into the sand and put his father's ashes into it, and then the shore, like, washed it away. So, like, that was really... That was intense. That was a really intense moment. Maybe... Maybe I should edit that part out, because I just spoiled, like, the whole damn documentary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Whoops.
1: But, yeah, it's really fascinating. Again, like, I'm not a comic book reader, really, and I've seen, like, pretty much all... I've seen every Batman movie, actually. but So, like, I'm familiar with the character, but not, like, a super fan, and I really enjoyed this doc. So I think, you know, people like me who just, like, like a good documentary and a good story would really like this as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and uh, I even showed it to, like, my mom, who's, like, not a big superhero fan at all, and the fact that she just was interested in, like, the, the investigation part of the story and um, wanting to know where it ends up. And like you said, it's public knowledge. People can look up, but just, like, I don't know. And it's also, like, rare, like, with some documentaries to have, like, a good, happy ending, and, like, I feel like it had a... A resolution, if you will. Mm. Um, so, yeah. But uh, I actually want to keep the uh, superhero comic train rolling. And uh, let's uh, smooth on over. Jess, uh, you saw the first two episodes of Daredevil Season 1, the Netflix show.
1: I did. Um, I got to say, this was probably the thing I was, like, the least excited to watch. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a shady way I don't mean to be shady I really don't but like like wrestling like something totally new that sounds interesting documentaries I love documentaries so that sounds fascinating Daredevil I was just like eh whatever um for me it's like actually been one of those shows that's sort of been on the peripheral a lot of people like it I've thought about watching it never actually did it um So I do think I may continue on watching it, because I did like it, so just letting you know, I might watch it. Um, I really like the pilot, but it's, like, not amazing, but again, it's a pilot, most people, most pilots are not amazing, they're just fine, they're a good introduction, and this was just that, like, a good introduction into the universe, who Daredevil is, who is, like, what his deal is, <laughs> all of that. So I thought it was, like, a really good introduction. Not amazing, but engaging. Like, I was into it. Um, episode two is where I think I got, like, really into it. Um, so I don't want to give too much away for people, like, who haven't watched it. It's been it. out
0: a few I years. Know, but There's I two just seasons. I watched
1: it. <laughs> all okay. right. Okay, so, like, this is really strange, but I've seen... I love Jessica Jones, and because I love Jessica Jones so much, I actually watched The Defenders, so, like, I've been a little bit into, like, that Marvel Netflix universe. Uh, So what I thought was really interesting was right away in episode two, they just, like, jump right into the superhero action. There's, like, no real build-up. It's just like, bam, he's doing the damn thing. And... Uh, It showed how, like, vulnerable he was, too. Because in the first episode, you see him being, like, so good at what he does. You kind of, like, this sounds really stupid because they say it, like, every other scene. But you kind of, like, forget that he's blind. (laughs) Because he's just, like, (laughs) even though they're always like, Are you blind? Oh, you are blind? That's weird. Anyway, it's like, okay, I know he's blind. I totally understand that part. We don't need to keep saying it. But, like, you don't, like, in the first episode, that's not, like, a crazy big factor. It's just like, oh yeah, he's just a, like, he's a really good superhero and he just like, can't see, that's fine, whatever. But like, in episode two, it's where you really see like, how much that plays a factor in his identity and like, what he is and isn't able to do. Um, so that was really interesting and I think that the cinematography and lighting is absolutely beautiful. Um, Not to mention the choreography The ending of the episode Is a really epic fight scene And it just ends And I loved that Because it got us to like the height of the action Of the episode And then it just stops And I think that's what left me wanting more Was that it was like such a well shot Well choreographed fight scene And then that's it Then that's all you get for right now Um, So yeah, I really liked it I liked it a lot more than I thought I would for sure, um, yeah. I think I, I will continue on, but it nice.
0: Yeah. That's not what I was expecting? No, you
1: didn't think I'd watch anymore.
0: Well, I I, I didn't know if you'd be like, yeah, I get it, superheroes. Because I feel like so often when we talk about like Spider Man or Batman, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it, and I'm just like, oh, I, you, oh you know, my god! Like, so. You
1: bring up the two superheroes that I have a problem with. I have seen <laughs> like every fucking Marvel movie except for two.
0: You know, I know, but everyone sees every Marvel no, movie there's a
1: lot of people <laughs> who don't see every There's a lot of Marvel movies There's a lot of them And, yeah, I do like superheroes I just don't particularly care that much about Spider-Man And I only like Batman, Nolan, and before Like, post-Nolan, I'm not a Batman fan Anything Nolan and pre-Nolan, I'm into it
0: so let me just say, like, one thing I was afraid of was you you were saying, you know, Daredevil's pilot was not m- mind-blowing. And, and I agree. And I think that's why, like, it either hooked people or it didn't. And what's funny is with this Netflix model that they've established where they just give you the whole season, Um, I feel like in their model, pilots don't matter because back in the day... You made a pilot to try to pitch to people to get more episodes made, and then you made the other episodes, and the pilot just stayed. But, like, Netflix, they had already greenlit it was going to be 13 episodes from the get-go. So I think they... I'm sure they had to write a pilot writing-wise, but then before shooting it, I bet they could go and change stuff and whatnot that, like... I don't know. I, I think it's like they... It's not like back in the day where... You had to make a mind-blowing pilot because people aren't going to have to wait a week for the next episode to decide whether they want to watch it or not or debate between other shows. It's like, if you want to keep watching, just click OK on whatever you're watching it on, and the next episode will play. So uh, I'll admit, Jess, I was worried that you'd be like, oh, this pilot's not that good. But that's why I said two episodes because it has that hallway fight and, like, the choreography just continues for stuff like that. And there's even, like, an action sequence in the season two that makes the hallway fight look like child's play. Um. Yeah, I think <laughs>
1: if you had just assigned the pilot alone, I probably wouldn't be interested in to continue watching it. Not because it was bad, because there's nothing particularly wrong with it. It's just, like, it's not amazing, and there's so many other things to watch, so I probably wouldn't have been as interested. Um so it was episode two that I, like really piqued my interest, so I am glad you assigned both of them. So speaking of what did you think? pilot models, let's talk about one you were just saying where you would put it out and then have to wait a week because Raverdale was put out and people had to wait a week and a lot of damn people have been watching it. So that is a successful <gasps> pilot that's not streaming.
0: I just wanted to ask you about Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. He's
1: not in it yet.
0: Oh, he's not even in the first
1: two? Because I think he's a laughable Uh. actor. Um, I don't think he's a a good actor. I don't. Sorry, like, the only good role I liked him in was Men in Black. Don't at me. Um, (laughs) Sugar water. But, Uh. (laughs) (laughs) but, like, I went on IMDb because um, the guy... Whatever. I went on Daredevil's IMDb just to, like, to see the cast, and I noticed like he's in it, so I'm like, huh. Okay. We'll see where that goes. Um, I'm interested to see what I'll think about it, too, because like I said, I don't think he's particularly amazing.
0: I could have swore there was like a certain scene that was in episode two, but damn, it's been a while since I've seen season one. I think the last time I saw season one was I rewatched it right before season two came out, which was like a couple of years ago. But... Anyway, I'll edit all this out and keep your transition to Riverdale, and we can just go into Riverdale. Um, Yeah, Jess, you gave me Riverdale, and (laughs) I'll admit, I was not hesitant or anything, but, like, the reason why I never exactly watched it, because, like, I never read the Archie comics so I was like am I going to be confused or like what is I don't even know what the Archie comics are about and like it's a CW show which like I've watched CW shows in the past like Arrow and Flash and uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend but like what is this going to be like but then like all of a sudden it like blew up and everyone was talking about it and everyone was asking me are you watching Riverdale? Riverdale is so good and this 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 and So when you assigned it to me, I was like, "Okay, let's see what the hype is." Jess, Mm -hmm. how I'm going to ask you this: Did you see the pilot like not long after it aired, or did you binge it on Netflix like after season or two was already out, or what? How did you come across this pilot?
1: Uh, I so my story with how I discovered Riverdale: I was sick with bronchitis when it just launched on Netflix. And my best friend texted me and said, have you been watching Riverdale? And I was like, what the fuck is Riverdale? (laughs) 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 And uh, he was like, it just got on Netflix. You need to watch it. And again, I was sick with bronchitis. I was like, all right, let's, I have nothing better to do. Let's watch Riverdale. And I was like immediately super (laughs) into it. Um, I think... Yeah, I don't know. Had I just like watched the pilot, like the, like, then that was it. I don't know how much I would have been into it, but because I had literally nothing better to do besides lay around and just slowly die, like I watched all of it in like two days, um, and then I like was like in sick mode, so I barely remembered it. So then I think I watched season one like again later. I'm pretty sure I rewatched all of season one. So.
0: You'll rewatch Riverdale, but you won't rewatch I Game know, of Thrones? That's so <laughs> ridiculous.
1: How silly. Like, okay.
0: How many times have you given me shit for how often I rewatch I, <laughs> Game of Thrones, yet you rewatch Riverdale?
1: Okay, yeah. No, that's. I have nothing to say. Like,.
0: You obviously have I the do. time.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Like, look, okay. I have said this before, I will say it again, I'm pretty sure I've even said it on this podcast, I love Riverdale, but I hate how much I love Riverdale, because, like, objectively, (laughs) it's not as great as I act like it is. Like, I shouldn't, like, like, okay, I understand it's not that amazing, but I still watch it like it is amazing, like, which is insane, like, it's insane, I am... I graduated college a few years ago. I should not be into a high school drama show, but here we are.
0: <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, so let, let's let's just get into it then. So, this pilot is forty six minutes, Jess. Holy shit! Did they try to cram the entire season one outline into this goddamn forty six minutes? Like. I was t- texting someone else who enjoys this show about it, and she's like, "Why? Like, how much happens?" I was like, "Um, okay. Like, obviously they introduce all the characters. They establish like a couple, like a like, like a okay, like three different women love Archie right off the bat, and like he like pretty much is like, you know, having uh, it's not even a triangle. Then it's like this love square with him uh, or some just weird odd shape, and like." There's that. There's the relationship with his dad. There's the new girl in town, Veronica. There's Betty. There's uh, you know, like they briefly show Jughead in the pilot. He's not as much in the pilot. Um, they introduce the whole thing with the uh, the dead uh, John- Jonathan. Is that um, it? Um, the, the twin. Blos- the... What the, the blossom? Fuck is his yeah,
1: because he is like. Is crucial? It? Um, Jason. Yeah. Jason yeah so, blossom.
0: Jason. So like you. you, you they introduce all this stuff right away. And like, every time I think like, all right, this is a good spot to kind of like wrap up. Like they do another thing and then there's a dance and then there's this like, and there was, and then like, there's the scene where like him and Betty are like confronting their feelings towards the end of the episode. I was like, Oh my God, like any other show, they would have saved that for like episode, like, I don't know, 12. Like they fucking did it all in the pilot. Now, what are they going to do? And so, uh, Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm just hating on it because I'll admit I not only watched episode two, but I watched episode three and uh, almost started four. But we had to start recording like I'm going to watch more. But like it's a typical for anyone who's wondering why Jess is upset that she likes it. It's a typical CW show where they cast. I think they literally just go to like a model. at. Like agency and just try to cast models. Like, cause everyone is just fucking gorgeous. Men, women, like, and they're all supposed to be like 15. That's the thing, too. They're not supposed to be seniors in high schools like most stories. They're sophomores. And the shit that they're doing, I'm like, okay, let's, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, and do we need to mention the inappropriate relationship with the teacher?
1: Okay, so, okay. <laughs> Okay. I have a lot I have a lot to say. So, yes, they jam pack so much into the pilot, but literally like most of those storylines become irrelevant like halfway through season 1. So, like this yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, straight up. Straight up. Like and then you get to season 2 and it just like basically doesn't even matter. But like, well, it matters oh, cuz you got to know. That makes me but, more like, pissed. Okay, this show I think part of the reason why I'm, like, so fascinated by it, aside from the fact that it, like, is a gorgeous show, like, it's stylized in such an amazing way with the color palettes and, like, the look of what Archie Comics was back then in 2018, which I think is fascinating, but, like, plot-wise... They jam so damn much into this show, like, so much. And I think, like, my brain is just constantly getting stimulated each episode by being like, Wait, what? What's happening now? What is he doing? Who's in it? Huh? Like, it's just, like, constantly, like, ever-changing and throwing things at you, which is, like, what is happening? But, like, yeah, it's it's a wild wi- ride, so if you're gonna, like, stick with it, like, buckle up, because it gets real insane. Like, God. real insane. I mean, and, like, they just actually today released the Comic-Con trailer for season three, and it's just like, what? What are we doing God. now? What?
0: <laughs> it just, it kills me, because, like, the last show that did something like this was, did you ever see The Following on Fox with Kevin Bacon? Oh, yeah. The, that was,
1: like, the first season was great.
0: The first season, keywords in that sentence, because... They packed so much into every episode of season one. I think it's about fifteen episodes, that all of a sudden, I was like, "Shit, that's like that's got to be like two, three seasons worth of content they just shoved in there." And opposed to it just being a mini series, they're like, "No, no, we're going to try to keep it going." And seasons two and three were atrocious, and I just it it kills me because like it, it makes me worried that like the show is just going to get. If, if you're telling me to buckle up and all these stories aren't going to matter soon, like it kind of like ticks me off in a way because like they're spending so much time on them now that, uh, and like they just have so many characters already. And I know that they're, they're probably all for the comic, but like, let's be honest. I don't give a shit about the dad. I don't give a shit about like Veronica's mom, but I think that they're going to be like bigger roles later. And let, I, I, I honestly joked. So like episode three, is, like, the one where they did, like, the revenge on one of the jocks for, like, their, like, slut-shaming Oh, book. yeah. That and episode's
1: like, ape shit. And so,
0: like, okay, so this is my pitch on what they should have done for Riverdale. I was like, so Archie is the least interesting character on this show. I don't know about the comics, but in this show, I don't give a shit about that whiny Talented at everything, Ginger, who has like three attractive women throwing themselves at him. Oh, I don't know what to do. Fuck you, dude. Betty's perfect. All right. (laughs) Oh my God. You are such a
1: Riverdale stan. I love it. You're so into it. No, I agree. Archie sucks. Archie sucks hard. He's the worst.
0: and so I was like, "Can they cut him and just make the show about Veronica and Betty and their and they're torturing in hot tubs, douchebags, jocks, while Jughead is solving a mystery? Like, can that can that be the show? Is that they're just like seeking revenge on all these asshole guys, and then he's off on the side like investigating? Because like that was more interesting than like he's like, I want to play my music, but I'm also gonna football, but I'm want to disappoint my dad." Like, oh no, woe is me, Archie Why don't you go complain to one of the three attractive women Who all want to be with you (laughs) Including your teacher, (laughs) sir Including your wildly inappropriate teacher Who, like, I was like, well maybe he's pretty much 18 And maybe she's like a teacher's assistant, like 22 or something But like, no, the, the joke is that she's quote unquote a cougar And I looked up and the actress is like 36 which is you know not old or anything but compared to he's supposed to be 15 and even if they age her down like to 30 that's still double his age like it's it's gross and even though she's wildly attractive it does not make it i I, it just what betty is perfect and he says it in the pilot he's like i'm not good enough for you off fuck off man you you know i think you i think you love that they're chasing after you i think he's egotistical he loves that they're all like pining for him and that or he's secretly in love with Jughead. i
1: don't know (laughs) no he's terrible he He is i think an awful like lead character because he's just so terrible and like so hard to get behind and i actually think like the writers started to realize that like if they kept going at that rate with him, like, people would drop off, so he becomes like, he's still the main guy, because there's no way they could do it without him, since it is, like, Archie's world, um I think they, like, start to push him back a little bit, and start to put other characters, like, more in the forefront or give them more time, because, um, yeah, his music career gets real annoying, and then
0: oh god, spoiler
1: alert, they just kind of like, stop doing it <laughs> like, like, at some point, you could tell the writers were like, this all. isn't going well. Um, yeah, he's not going to do music anymore. And I'm not sad about it, because it's, it was a time.
0: Yeah, I just, and I, I don't know, I guess it's, like, one, like, okay, I get it if he doesn't, you know, love Betty or whatever, but the fact that, like, Veronica kind of just shows up and he's just like, <laughs> you know, like, dumbfounded. I'm like, you've been best friends with this gorgeous, intelligent, you know, person who has put up with you since you were a child and like, oh, some new Burnett is in town and you're all sudden you're, you're you're speechless. Like, get over it, Archie. Like I, I don't know I just Maybe it's cause like I wasn't the hot dude That girls were fawning over In high school But I just want to be like I don't care about Any of your problems man Like woe is me Like oh uh, I'm good at football And they want me to play Varsity as a sophomore But I'm also <laughs> like Want to like Perform and Write with Josie and the Pussycats Which I did not think That they were involved In this universe uh, Like I just remember The old cartoons It was like Josie and the Pussycats uh, And they were like Dancing with some giant uh, talking whale thing um, <laughs> like the Hannah the Hanna-Barbera cartoons like if you know what I'm no, referencing no I had no idea uh, I didn't
1: know they danced with a giant whale
0: <laughs> wait did you have you heard about Josie and the Pussycats oh, before yeah, this no, show oh yeah no I read
1: Archie comics as a kid so I knew who they were cause oh cause like yeah like I wasn't super into it but I would read it a little bit as a kid so like I knew them from that and like so yeah Arch in in the Archie comic book universe Josie and the Pussycats and Sabrina the Teenage Witch are also in that universe so I knew them from that but like Josie and the Pussycats like, as as characters like kind of got their own recognition and a lot of people don't realize like they started with Archie um so that was cool because like yeah that wasn't something I would have thought they would have done too which is make them like three sassy high schoolers who are like starting off a girl band like that's pretty cool um I will say like I don't think like any show about high school kids has gotten high school accurate except for freaks and geeks I think that's the only show that's ever done it Nothing has has gotten even close Like shows like That I used to love in high school Like The O.C. or One Tree Hill Like that was nothing like my high school experience But I still loved them, you know And I don't I think Riverdale's the same way Where it's literally nothing like, high school. At, at all. Like, no one looks like that in high school. No one dressed like that in high school. Like, I never went to high school in heels. Are you kidding me? You walk, like, eight hours a day? Like, fuck no. So, like, come on. Like, so that, that part is just... It's like, the high school is just where the characters can all be. Like, that's all it serves in the show. Um, but I'm more forgiving on that part because, like like I said, like, high school shows very rarely actually get high school right. Um, and I, what, But one thing I do like about Riverdale as a high school show is that, like, on the surface, these characters seem like just, like, basic high school archetypes. Like, you know, you have the new girl in town, Veronica, and you have the girl next door, Betty, and you have, like, the hunky, like, jack guy, and, like, you have the weird, like, creepy guy. And it's like, you know, like, you have, like, the token, like, gay character, and then you have, like, the sassy black girl, Josie, like, so on the surface, all of them look like archetypes, but, like, as the series continues, you learn, like, that's not all who they are, and these characters are actually, like, really fleshed out and three-dimensional, even if, like, the plot lines are ridiculous, like, the characters themselves are more than, like, their high school identity, which is really interesting. So, like, you're talking about the third episode and how, like, um, Betty and Veronica, like, try to get revenge on uh, these guys who treated... Like, these jocks who treated girls poorly. Um, and you you see, like, the girl next door can have darkness in her. She just doesn't always have to be, like, sunshine and rainbows. Like, she can have really dark thoughts deep in there and thoughts of vengeance. And, like, that's interesting, because a lot of the times, like, like those characters are, are not that dimensional. It's just they are peppy and happy and, like in school and doing good grades like all the time
0: yeah yeah definitely uh it was an interesting i don't know it was like that episode because like i think episode two is like a good amount of stuff happens but then like episode three like you said they kind of diverge into like it's not all just about like betty like being in love with archie and then like that and like her and Veronica go do this other thing and they try to show Veronica dating someone else, but then she gets slut shamed and, uh, the whole scene, which like, by the way, it, it, like makes me feel weird because like they're supposed to be 15, 16, which like, obviously the actor, uh, the actors playing these roles are in their twenties and they're not 15 year olds. But the fact that like in that scene, she was just like, uh, like, oh, come over, boy, and like Veronica's like in a swimsuit, and then all of a sudden, Betty comes out like in pretty much like lingerie, and then they're like, yeah, get in the hot tub, you know, and then they like drug him, <laughs> and then I'm just like, I'm like, what is this? What did you give me to watch, Jess? Like,
1: <laughs> that is like every like, episode I watch Riverdale. I'm just like, what is this? Why am I still watching this? I don't know, but I love it.
0: Yeah, that's where it was just like, okay, I may have to just keep watching because, like, how ridiculous does this actually get? (laughs) Because, like I said, I want the show about them (laughs) torturing, like, jocks in a hot tub while, like, Jughead is, like, trying to solve this mystery of the dead ginger twin.
1: (laughs) That's like a Hardy Boys book name. (laughs) Mystery of the dead ginger twin. (laughs) I mean... That's fair. <laughs> so you think you will give it a couple more episodes? That is unexpected. I didn't think you would.
0: I mean, I'm, I I don't know. I, I think it's honestly because like I watched the first one yesterday and I started the second one, and then like I, I had it on while I was cooking one of my Blue Apron meals uh, on my laptop, and like don't all say of a sudden like they're I not said,
1: sponsoring us. <laughs> Don't name drop. We're not giving a free advertisement.
0: (laughs) Hell no. I was cooking dinner, (laughs) and had that. (laughs) That's so true. Um, And yeah, it just like I said, it started getting in this whole weird like revenge, and then like Barb shows up from Stranger Things, and uh, yeah, it just. I don't know. I'm really curious, and and I almost. There's some shows where, like, you don't care about the side characters, but this one I only care about the side characters and don't care about the lead, like, at all, and I hope that they continue to do more stories with those side characters, Um, like, you know, like Jughead investigating and, like, finding out what happened. Like, I have to ask, and you don't have to exactly spoil it for anyone, but, like, Does this whole investigation of this twin like, take forever? Like, is that like the season one arc or is it the series arc? So it's
1: very much the season one arc. So like, for those of you who haven't watched Riverdale, I'm sorry you've been listening to this, but if you haven't watched Riverdale, it opens with um, the death of a high schooler named Jason Blossom, his sister Cheryl Blossom is, like, a big supporting character on the show, she was with him when he died, it's not a spoiler, it's literally what the show opens to, um, which I find intriguing, I thought that was, like, a really intriguing way to start, like, a high school drama show, but, um, anyway, yeah, so his death and the mystery around it is all in season one, it's wrapped up by the finale, um, Which sounds a little dull because, like you know, and it's like okay, that's the season one story of death, ooh, whatever. But I think they keep it in a really interesting way. Um, So you will find out all the answers in thirteen episodes if you if you watch till the end of season one. Um.
0: Oh, thank God, it's not twenty-two episodes. That twenty-two
1: is season two. No! No! And I couldn't... Yeah, I I hope you get to season two because we'll have some things to discuss. But, um, yeah, so the Jason Blossom arc is fascinating and it's in season one. And I actually think season one, again, this is a guilty pleasure show of mine, but I think season one is actually pretty quality TV. I think it's pretty good. And again... The style and look and, like, aesthetic of this show alone is so engaging. I think it's just so pretty to watch. Um, But plot-wise and character-wise, like, season one's good. Whereas season two, it's like, y'all, I don't even know. (laughs) But I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, I've probably ranted on the podcast... uh, about this before, but that was one of my biggest pet peeves about hour-long dramas when they're 40-some minutes. Like, they shouldn't be more than 13 episodes. Some of them should just be 8. Some of them should be shorter. Like... They don't, I hate that, and, like, that's the one of the problems with CW. That's why I gave up on Flash and Arrow, is because they did 22, 25-episode seasons, and, like, you could totally tell that they stretched the story, they stretched the budget, and it just, the quality goes down because they're trying to fill the time that they were given opposed to, like, what the story needs. So, who knows, maybe um, maybe I'll stop after season one, I don't know, but uh, that, that that worries me that they went up
1: yeah but the thing to consider which is what also makes Riverdale really interesting is that it's not a streaming show it is a week-to-week television show on the CW and yes like season one and two are currently on Netflix but their ratings are massive it has become it's only in season two it's already become one of the most popular shows on television right now so like that's something that you kind of sometimes forget that when a show's not streaming, they have week-to-week advertisers that they are making so much money on. So, like, yeah, they're gonna stretch it out for 22 weeks so they can make that fucking money. Um, Whereas a show like Daredevil, you put it on, at one point, there's no advertisers coming week-to-week and paying you to be on their spot. Like, So that's also... What's interesting about Riverdale is that it's so fresh and like liked by so many millennials and our generation, the generations like younger than us, but it has an old model of TV that we don't really have that much anymore because like we're just so used to streaming now at this point, like our way of watching things has changed.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well Jess, that was uh I think that's a good way to kind of wrap up here our first episode of doing some homework. Um, overall thoughts I mean, were you happy with your assignments? Um, for the most part, it was not too much of a struggle.
1: yeah, no, I would say my assignments were really interesting. um there wasn't one that i like I was bored with or like hated or anything, like even the wrestling match um that I didn't like particularly love, I didn't hate watching it. I was still like kind of interested, because I'd never seen something like that before, so it was still, like, intriguing. Um, so, yeah, I did not expect to, like, Daredevil as much as I did, so I may have a new show to watch. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, like, really glad that you are liking Queer Eye and Riverdale, and you might be continuing on with both of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I... Had a feeling I I would totally watch Queer Eye It was like no doubt in my mind But I was like alright what is this Riverdale show That everyone's talking about But now I'm just like like you said I I, I I, I hate that I want to keep watching But if it starts getting too ridiculous I'm going to be like you know what I have other shows to watch I can always revisit this later But like for right now it has me
1: It still has me too Like really it it really does Like even after season 2 which kind of gets ridiculous I'm still like you know what I'm here. I watched the Comic-Con trailer twice today. Like, that's how, like, involved (laughs) I am with this stupid show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Jess, where can they find you on the social medias? On
1: Instagram and Twitter. I am at JessQuaz.
0: I am on Twitter at ThePros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E, and that is also my Instagram as well. Um, And as usual, we'd like to give a shout out to Friends of the Show, Movie Trailer Trash, and The Shelved Podcast, both great podcasts uh, hosted by Charlie Bethany Duber and Jeremy Meyer. Some great content that when I'm not uh, podcasting with Jess and I'm listening to my own, I definitely uh, listen to those week to week and also sometimes let them bottle up a little so I can binge a few right in a row. But uh, I also want to give a little shout-out. I came across a funny little Instagram I wanted to tell you about, uh, Jess. It, like, just got started, uh, I think, just this week. It's it's very new. Um, have you seen those little, like, people have, like, the little plastic uh, hands that are super tiny, like tiny hands?
1: Like, like normal people have little tiny hands?
0: No, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little... Hang on. I will show it on the Skype thing. It's just like it's a little tiny hand.
1: No, I have never seen this
0: before. And so some people some people like use them to like jokingly do like a drink with with like a big mug. And so anyway, the the Twitter is called uh Too Much to Handle, but it's the number two, much, and then two spelled like the number, two handle, too much to handle. It's just Comedic little Instagram that's just getting going. It's very, very new. And uh, just this tiny hand in like absurd places, uh, like on that keyboard oh there. God. Just like,
1: mm. I am <laughs> I don't following know why. it now <laughs> because that's how I am when it comes to Instagram. Um, while you're at it, you should look up the real Helen Keller. All of our listeners should. It is a treat. And with that, nugget of amazingness i think we can sign off
0: <laughs> yes we at can the real <laughs> Helen shout Keller,
1: out to please follow you will not regret <laughs> it trust me also still i'm just gonna say it again at Renner for real jeremy renner's instagram because it is fucking insane he's a crazy person i've plugged it before on this podcast <laughs> because yes, it's ma'am. so wild it's like jeremy what are you doing you have millions of dollars get off instagram <laughs> but he's so ridiculous. I love it. Okay, so at Renner for real, and but more importantly, at the real Helen Keller.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get, all of our listeners are going to follow them, but they're not going to like do stuff right. for us. Also, but follow us kidding. too. Yeah, uh, us
1: first, us yeah, us first. Us first.
0: Us first. And, then, <laughs> and then, then,
1: then, then, then them. Jeremy Renner last. He has enough. He's fine. He's doing all right. <laughs>
0: Alright, well guys, uh, stay tuned uh, Next episode, as we said before Jess and I are going to rank all the Christopher Nolan movies So stay tuned for that And what episode we're going to dive into We're almost at episode 60 Coming up on it Feels like just the other day When we were doing our, our 50th and fiftieth uh, episode special
1: Now we got to do something for the big six out
0: Alright Class dismissed